Welcome to Have You Heard, the AABP podcast. My name is Dr. Fred Gingrich, and today we are joined by uh, one of our Canadian colleagues, Dr. Bart Lardner. Bart, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, please? Yeah, first of all, Fred, thank you very much for inviting me and to, to visit with you folks, uh, for sure. Uh, born and raised in British Columbia, which is the westerly province here in Canada, on a, on a beef and hay ranch, and I uh, grew up farming with my dad, and he had a few cows kicking around, so that certainly piqued the interest in, in, in looking at beef, the beef industry. And then I worked through the industry for several years in feedlots and cow-calf and did some rodeo and some ranching and wandered out here to the University of Saskatchewan in 1984. And so uh, the rest of the story remains is that, uh, you know, did all my graduate work out here. And my whole focus is on cow-calf and forage research. And so we look at uh, managing that, that gestating beef cow over the calendar year. We look at background in calves and, and uh, dealing with the environment impact. And so working with producers very closely. So we could call it an applied beef and forage research program, Fred. Yeah, and that very important. Uh, we recently had some sessions on, you know, the systems approach to, uh, you know, improving uh, health and productivity in, in beef production systems. And so the topic of our podcast today is beef cattle backgrounding systems. And so let's just start off, Bart, and why don't you uh, explain what is backgrounding and then why is it important for uh, cattle health uh, and productivity? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's uh, it's one of the phases of growing out that that uh, beef animal. Uh, backgrounding basically is a is a management approach from from wean age, which is generally five six months of age, all the way out till they go to maybe that feedlot finishing program. And so it's sometimes misunderstood in that many producers may think it's just simply a wintering uh, wintering their animals in their pen over you know two three four five months, but and, and, you know, sometimes producers are not happy with the sale barn price and they're not really to ship their calves. But I always suggest is that, you know, if you're going to background your calves, have a plan, have a program. And so in a nutshell, it's just trying to grow up that animal slowly to try and uh, on a high forage based diet and try to grow it out skeletally to build that frame so we can put some tissue accretion. And then we can start to look at maybe after 100, 120 days, uh, start to put on some some fat. Uh, you know, fat finishing program. So it's, you know, and it, and it will differ for sure uh, between the different breeds of cattle. And so you mentioned, you know, that, you know, programs for backgrounding. So are there different uh, types of programs for backgrounding cattle and what might those be? Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, as a, as a producer and, and every farm or ranch is a different case study, no matter what state you live in or what province and you have to look at your resources. And so traditionally, the backgrounding phase from, like I say, that five months to maybe that eight months of age uh, or nine months of age, depending on the breed, has been in a, in, a, in a confined facility or a dry lot pen. And that's okay. And, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, we don't worry about costs and sometimes we do. But our, our applied program has looked at costs. I mean, a big part of my studies is looking at the economic parameter or metrics of, of all the work we do. And so that producer can look at what's it going to cost me on a cost to gain basis or what's it going to cost me to put up that bale of hay. And so yeah, the other confined dry lot system has been the traditional system, but we've been looking at some other alternative backgrounding systems. And so can we actually take that five month wean calf, put it out into an extensive field 
and ask it to consume that basal forage, whether it's an annual forage or a perennial forage, and still hit that targeted rate again. Yeah, and you know, you you mentioned a little bit about you know the diets that are fed to these backgrounded cattle, and and uh, you know what what are some of the differences between the forage and concentrate background diets, and how might producers approach that? Yeah, as I said, you know, typically your your backgrounding diet should should be a high forage, low concentrate ratio, probably an eighty percent uh, forage, twenty percent uh, concentrate, like a like a grain based or maybe a starch based concentrate. Uh, or 75, 25, but, but really, really slanted on the side of, of have, having higher forage density in that diet. And I think we also need to go back to, to look at the requirements. And NRC 2000 or NASM 2016 is the most recent updated uh, published nutri- nutritional requirements for backgrounding calves. And so I always say go back, work with your nutritionist, your extension agent, and find out what is that animal going to need in terms of energy, protein, vitamins, and minerals. And so if you're starting with five weight calves or 500 pound calves or six weight, 600 pound calves, you want to look, what's my target again? Is it a pound and a half? Is it two pounds? I suggest this to say a 500 pound calf, right? Gaining a pound and a half a day. She's going to need about 15 pounds of dry matter. It's going to need about, uh, you know, 60% TDN somewhere in there for energy density and about 10% true protein. So Look at that high forage diet for sure, but be aware that we need somewhere in there to have that energy and protein density. Yeah, B- balancing the diet for those calves, making sure that they're you know eating it uh, as as it's formulated is is always important, and that's a, a great place where veterinarians can also get involved and, and counsel their their cow calf clients that want to enter some of these programs. And you also mentioned, you know, a breed influence on, on backgrounding programs. So how might that come into play and, and what, what would be the differences there? Well, the breed influence is, is really important. And as I said, what is your target again? Is it a pound and a half, one, eight, two pounds, maybe two, two. Uh, we look at the difference between British type cattle and, and continental type cattle. So I'm talking basically your British type, your Angus Herefords versus your maybe your Simmental, your Charlotte type calves. And we know there's a big difference in frame score, right? And so with those British type, maybe they're going to fit into a slower backgrounding program. Maybe we can grow them out slowly, you know, get that extra 150 pounds, 180 pounds on them prior to going into a feedlot finishing program. Otherwise, if we don't grow them out slowly, uh, they might hit that feedlot finishing program too soon and they might wind up over fat or maybe be discounted uh, in terms of carcass characteristics. So you, you might look at a different, you know, uh, targeted rate again and, 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 and for sure maybe grow up that British type calf a little bit longer on a background program compared to your shark cross or your sim cross uh, influence there, where it's maybe a larger framed uh, calf and it might have a shorter backgrounding phase and then move into a finishing, uh, finishing feedlot program sooner, quicker. And we we touched a little bit on nutrition, and I'd like to come back to that, Bart, as far as, you know, the, the you mentioned, you know, the nutrient requirements and, and, and their importance. What about the use of some co-products uh, in these diets? Well, I guess I'll just go back and I'll talk a little bit, you know, what are your available forage feedstuffs on your farm or your ranch? Is it, is it, is it you know, hay? Is it green feed? Uh, you know, maybe it, maybe it is growing an annual forage in a, in a field as a swath grade program. But 
we found in our research that, you know, some of those base forages are okay for our gestating beef cows in that second, first, second trimester of pregnancy. But now we're growing out that, that, that calf, that five-month-old calf. We need to maybe have a little bit more dense nutrients in those, in those diets. And so then we look for all options that are out there. What are they, what are they, uh, you know, co-products that might be in your region? And, I know we, we've done a lot of research on dry distillers grains, and I know that's a fairly available source in a lot of the U.S. states. And in my mind, it's probably the best protein energy supplement because it, it works both ends of the spectrum. Uh, so, yeah, I've had guys that are building a straw-based diet background on their calves and just bringing in that DDG. Either, a, you know, usually it's a, a, a pelleted or maybe it's a flaky type product, but figure out, is this something I can feed, uh, you know, in a portable feed bunk? The other things that are out there are certainly there's some pelleted supplements from your feed mills. Maybe look at what are the ingredients, right? So we do have some of those uh, cereal grains that might bring in that ergot issue. There could be, you know, other other cool products out there like like maybe oat holes or or something like that that might you know fit fit the mold in terms of bringing in that energy or protein deficiency and in, in that uh, building that that backgrounding diet. Yeah, and it, you know, we we know that in the in the beef and dairy industry, you know, one of the great things about uh, uh, raising cattle uh, for beef and and dairy products is their ability to you know consume these byproduct co-product feeds and uh, and turn them into high quality protein. So there is a place for those products in in these backgrounding programs. Let's talk a little bit about you know I. I saw that you used the term nutrient cycling efficiency. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe explain that a little bit and how does it vary with the different backgrounding uh, programs that are available? Yeah, that's a great question, Fred. It's, uh, you know, we talked the difference between an intensive backgrounding program versus extensive backgrounding program. And it's really interesting. I've had a lot of U.S. producers phone me or talk to me, email me over the years as well, because they're looking at some of the research we're doing. And so in my mind, it's like getting that animal out of that, that dry lot pen and moving it out onto a nutrient deficient acre on your farm or your ranch. Because if you feed that calf for 80 days or 60 days or 100 days, backgrounded on that field, we're taking advantage of manure nutrient deposition. And so all the excretion of the nutrients, uh, be it nitrogen and phosphorus from the from the urine and feces, are there on that field site. And that's good because it's going to be there for the subsequent crop the next year. So you're thinking about let's just move the animal somewhere where we're going to accumulate those nutrients. And it's going to benefit that that field site or that, that pasture area for the next year versus those nutrients being locked in the straw pack in a dry lot pen. Right. And we know that nitrogen is pretty mobile. And so. When you go to clean that pen in, in two months or six months <laughs> or whatever, uh, maybe a lot of those nutrients have lateralized off or leached out and they're just not there, uh, you know, when you go to spread that manure on that field. So just something to think about in terms of, of you know, managing manure nutrient deposition because you've got those 200, 500 pound calves out there uh, on that field site in extensive backgrounding program. Yeah. And you had said, so most calves that are on these programs are are there for sixty to a hundred days. Is that pretty? Is that a pretty uh, typical range for how long calves might be on a backgrounding program? Well, I, I guess you know we do have a, a wish list, right? <laughs> we like right. to see them out there as long as possible. I would suggest you know if you can get eighty hundred days out there, you're doing a real good job. Depending on what state you live in, 
Mother Nature is going to say, uh, maybe you're not going to do it as long as you wanted to. So we're really at the mercy of Mother Nature sometimes. You know, we might put them out there in the middle of October or the back end of November. And then all of a sudden, you know, we get we get some storms or some freezing rain. And just an example is I was doing a backgrounding study with calves on millet and barley and a real good quality swath, you know, on, on, a, on a, a red prose or a golden German millet and, and, a, and a smooth on barley. And we got going and we had but we had two freezing rains and a blizzard. <laughs> and oh. so, so the calves you were asking, it was like asking them to eat frozen celery. So in my mind, it's manage and monitor. It's, it's watch your calves, make sure that prehension or uptake or intake is not challenged when they're out there. Yes, you're trying to reduce your cost of gain. Yes, you're trying to take advantage of manure nutrients, but you still want to see that, that you know, that acceptable intake and that acceptable gain. Yeah, and, and you know, uh, let's talk a little bit about you know, the, the health programs that veterinarians might incorporate for their clients into some of these backgrounding programs. Um, you know, if they're, if they're on that program, 80 to hundred days post weaning, mm-hmm. you know, do, do, you know, are these calves mm-hmm. in your studies typically, do they receive uh, vaccinations or mm-hmm. any other type of uh, therapeutics? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's so important to work with your, your veterinarian that, that, client veterinary relationship is so important these days and work with them and find out what vaccine should have should I be immunizing my calves with that are the problem diseases in my area and you know typically up here we're looking at you know IVR PI3 BBD uh, and of course your clostridials right so you know that's a typical program that I would suggest when you do wean them off that mama cow get them settled uh you know, and and so that they're 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 well immunized going into that into that field backgrounding program. In fact, you know, sometimes <clears throat> in some of my uh, control studies where I had them in a backgrounding in a pen compared to the extensive studies, we dealt with coccidiosis or those types of things. And so, don't mm. forget, maybe you can bring in an ionophore as well. You know, and and if you're if you're using a pelleted supplement. Uh, build it into that into that pellet that you know that rumensin or something like that. It just helps control that coxy. The other thing is maybe implant. Think about implanting your calves because there's about 20, 25 pounds you may be leaving on the table uh, without that performance enhancing technology. And we just finished a, a really good cow calf survey up here in Canada, but it was strikingly surprising. Only 25% of producers suggested that they were using an implant when they're backgrounding their calves, and so. You know, it is a preference thing, right? And and folks have to feel comfortable, but those technologies are there. And so maybe look at using them on your farm or your ranch. Yeah. And ultimately decrease their cost of gain and increase the the uh, um, sale price of that calf when they're doing Absolutely. something like that. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 And, and if we could talk a little bit about BART, uh, BART, maybe about, you know, the health aspects of this, you know, when we take the calf, uh, off the mama cow, the calf is weaned. We all know in the industry that it's the highest stress period of that calf. And then, you know, we have we have uh, producers that essentially just uh, put them on the truck from the cow to the truck, right? Yeah, uh, and, and then we have, uh, you know, various types of backgrounding programs uh, where maybe those calves are castrated, dehorned if they're not pulled, uh, you know, vaccinated, they're almost mm-hmm. preconditioned. What 
What are some of the health uh, aspects that mm-hmm. we can expect from calves that come off these backgrounding programs into the feed yard versus some of the less desirable things that happen? Yeah, I think, you know, that the, the feed yards are uh, doing what we call up here source verification. They're going to those farms or those ranches where they can get a guaranteed product, uh, you know, a nice, uh, you know, preconditioned animal. They're not going to look at disease issues in the first three weeks once they hit the feed yard maybe reduce the subtherapeutic use of antibiotics just because of that. So, you know, what we try to do is, is you talked about that wean stage. I think I'm going to do a webinar on, on some of the weaning research we've done up here, but it's just getting them off that mama cow, you know, and it just go back. Does the cow miss the calf more than the calf misses the cow? We've, we've, uh, we've actually done, you know, some fence line weaning just to get them settled and you know what else trick we do is is we'll maybe take some dry cows and put them out there with those groups of calves or maybe some second calf heifers or something uh, that's going to show them where that, that basal feed is in the swath in the field. And so just get some more saddle, get some, because once those calves get a full belly, oftentimes they're laying down, ruminating, chewing their cud and their, and their mama's still bawling their head off, missing their calf. So, you know, just think about how can I, you know, get them through that stress of weaning quicker, sooner but get them onto that feed, you know, as comfortably as possible. And what are some of the benefits to the, to the producers that might decide to background their calves for 80 to a hundred days versus, versus selling, you know, weaned calves um, as far as, you know, the economic returns, what, yeah. are, what are you seeing on that aspect? Well, I guess you have to look at, you know, I mean, it is it is a different program. So retaining your calves after weaning, you know, is there somewhere I can do this backgrounding program? You know, like that's another question. And yes, you might have that opportunity. <clears throat> yes, it might be a swath graze program in the field, or maybe a bale graze program in the field, or something like that. Stockpile forage. Uh, you know, the other thing is is uh, look at the price difference and that what is that that animal's weight giving you in a return from the sale barn price, or what's it going to be. Uh, you know, after it's a 750, 800 pounds compared to 500 pounds. And so that's what I say. Always work that difference out. Uh, look at the basis, right? And look at the <laughs> look at the difference in the dollar value. And so, you know, do your do your your, your calculations and economics and also have a have a market for those calves once they come off the backgrounding program. Just don't background them without, you know, some some uh, source to sell them. Because, you know, you talk to your local feedlot, and, and so there you go. Because that's what they like to do. They like to, to background their calves or the calves uh, that are coming into their, into their feed yard. They want, like to see them growing up slowly. Because they, once they hit that concentrate diet, they're going to gain really well and finish really nicely. So, you know, do your research. Uh, work with an economist or, or even your veterinarian or local extension agent to say, okay, what's my value of my animal now at 500? What's the value going to be at 800 pounds or 750 pounds? And, you know, the work we've we've done has shown that extensive backgrounding compared to intensive backgrounding, we're probably looking at a 20 or 30 percent reduced cost of gain. So, wow. Wow. And you mentioned working with feed yards. That's where, you know, the marketing comes in. Uh and, and that it's it's important for that producer to understand that they need to market these calves, correct? Oh, absolutely, because you know the feed yard has an advantage. Like he's selling cat, cattle multiple times a year, so he knows his cost to gain. 
He knows his, you know, what the what the pack and plant's paying. As a, a typical cow calf producer, you know, maybe selling animals what two, three, four, two, three times a year, and so, you know, it's just experience and it's just. Uh, uh, it takes time to build up that, you know, that risk reward attitude. And so in my mind is you put all this work into raising this animal for 12 months of the year and your paycheck is dependent on, on when they hit that sale barn. So do your, do your research. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I really appreciate it, uh, Bart, uh, as, as Bart mentioned, uh, we have a webinar. Or he's doing a webinar when this podcast is released. That webinar will be, will have been uh, uh, recorded, and so it will be available to AABP members on our CE portal uh, on weaning strategies. So, uh, you know, I think that'll go hand in hand with this podcast we just did today. You know, appropriately wean the calf, and then. Veterinarians, I would encourage you to have discussions with your producers. If, if a backgrounding program would fit their marketing model for their calves, do they have a place that they can background their calves? Do they have adequate forage resources? Uh, can they access uh, the other nutrients that would be needed to, to grow that calf slowly, as Bart said? Um, this is a very important stage from the from the weaning period until they do get marketed to the feedlot. So work with your producers on that. Uh, find out what is their target of gain and then monitor that. Uh, assist them uh, and their whole team with uh, evaluating the economic return. And then I think we also need to always advocate for the health of the cattle that uh, are in our care and uh, ensuring uh, adequate vaccinations, parasite control, and then also work with your producers to help them develop an implant schedule for these calves. Bart also mentioned nutrient cycling efficiency, uh, uh, capturing the, the resources that are, are available to us from the cow and uh, uh, improving our the sustainability of our entire beef production system. So, Bart, I really want to thank you for your time today uh, in, in recording this podcast with us, as well as uh, uh, the webinar. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you very much. And uh, thank again. Thanks for the invitation. It's been a pleasure. We will talk soon. Thank you.